98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort Masters, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. Halfway home on the Burns and Gambo show, we hit the reset button. This is where we get you caught up on everything going on in sports. We call it the 4 o'clock reset. We start it today. With news from the NBA, training camp right around the corner. In fact, Suns Media Day is coming up on Monday, if you can believe it. Langston Galloway, former Sun, has agreed to join the Golden State Warriors on a training camp deal. This according to Sham Sharania and Anthony Slater of The Athletic. He appeared in 40 games last year for the Suns. Gambo coming off the bench, averaging about five points per game and one rebound per game in about 11 minutes per yeah, game. I think they the got Suns. Avery Bradley, too. I think uh, Avery Bradley and Langston Galloway both signed uh, with Golden State. Training camp deal. See if he has an opportunity to uh, to earn a roster spot. Uh, you know, he's a decent role player for the Suns. They, they liked him a whole lot. Obviously, they moved on. They got Landry, Landry Shamet. Uh, Shamit, and they didn't have any room for Langston Galloway, but he was a decent role player when he was here. Arizona Diamondbacks yesterday extended Torrey Lovello for one more season with a club option for 2023. Earlier today, we had Dalton Varsho on the show, asked him what Torrey has meant for him this year. He sat down with me multiple times throughout this year, and uh, we talk pretty regularly in the outfield when he comes around, talks with the outfielders, and uh, he just kind of was able to kind of just let me be myself for the past like couple months here and uh it's been nice of uh, just kind of being Dalton Varsho and letting myself come out. Diamondbacks start a three-game series against the LA Dodgers tonight Gambo 641st pitcher yeah, on like 97 we said, they, they, they didn't want to read they felt the multi-year extension would have been a, a reward for the performance and they didn't like the performance from this baseball team so a one-year deal kind of continues what they have but they they didn't fault um Tori Lovello for what happened. So a one-year deal, they kind of felt like that's not a reward. That's just, hey, we're going to give it another shot and see what happens. The Arizona Diamondbacks have nine games left this season. If they want to avoid the worst record in franchise history, they need to win three of those nine games. Interesting news. Do you want to comment on that? I'm sorry. I I feel good about their chances to, to do that. Okay. Interesting news coming out of the NFL today. They're planning to extend Super wild card weekend into Monday night. Here's Ian Rappaport. What the NFL is going to have this year for the first time is a Monday night football game during the playoffs during Super Wild Card Weekend. So it is now tinkering with the schedule. So what it's going to look like: two wild card games on Saturday instead of three from last year, three on Sunday, and one on Monday night football on a broadcast network to be determined. What do you think? I think it's a disadvantage for the team that wins that Monday night game because of the turnaround time. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, one less day to prepare, one less day to get healthy. I don't know why they mess with this stuff, man. They just, you know, it's just greed. Greed. Just television. Hey, we'll throw a game on Monday night and we'll get big ratings. It'll be money. But I don't think that does anybody any favors that 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 played in that game that's going to have to play the next week. Yeah, I read that they will do their very best to see if the the team that wins on Monday night doesn't have to play until Sunday, so it would keep it kind of similar to if you played on a Sunday and then the next Saturday that you would kind of have the same amount of time to get ready for that game. But it does create potential disadvantages if you're not able to do that. Thursday night football last night, another really good performance by the now three and zero Carolina Panthers. Beating the Texans twenty-four to nine, 
It was bad news for Carolina, though, in that Christian McCaffrey left the game with a hamstring injury. He's expected to be out a little bit but not be put on IR. They also look, lost rookie cornerback J.C. Horn to a broken foot. Sounds like he's going to be out two to three months right now, Gambo. Yeah, that is a big – That's a, so they, they won, but they lost. Yeah. I mean, losing those two guys, Horn and McCaffrey. The big story in Carolina, man, is Sam Darnold. Like, you know, they – Small sample size for the three games, but he looks like an entirely different quarterback now that he's not with Adam Gase. <laughs> God, I mean, Adam Gase, look yourself in a mirror. My God, like the Jets drafted this guy in the first round, and Adam Gase ruined him, and now he's in Carolina. And he, I mean, you watched some of that game. I did too. He looks like a good quarterback. Yeah, he's playing really, really well. And, of course, Hassan Reddick. Looked really good again last night. He has four and a half sacks on the season. A real quick congratulations to the Phoenix Mercury. Uh, they beat the Liberty last night, 83-82. Brianna Turner made the winning free throw with less than a second to go. That gave them the win over the Liberty. Now they play another win-or-go-home game, this time Sunday against Seattle. Hey, I'll just say, that atmosphere yeah. at GCU, it that, was, looked pretty, that looked pretty good. It was not It was intimidating. It, lo- it was legit. It was absolutely legit, no doubt. Congratulations to the Merck, their game coming up on Sunday. Speaking of Sunday, that's our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Cards and the Jacksonville Jaguars, and now the injury front for the Cardinals has become kind of front and center when talking about this game. Two players that we know for sure are out. They're both depth on the offensive line. Brian Winters and Josh Miles, they are both ruled out for the game. Kelvin Beecham is listed as questionable for the game. So that's kind of the offensive line issues right there. Um, Byron Murphy and Marco Wilson are both listed as questionable for that game. Both did practice today on a limited basis. Cliff Kingsbury Gambo did say today he feels pretty good about Byron Murphy being able to play, but that Marco Wilson will be a game-time decision. And then perhaps most importantly, DeAndre Hopkins didn't practice all week. He is a game-time decision for Sunday's contest. All right, so let's start with Hop. Um, Be shocked if he doesn't play, right? The guy's missed two games his entire career. And and we're getting to know him. We don't don't, don't know him like the Texans fans do, but apparently he would miss time during the week a lot, but he'd always play on Sunday. He's one of those guys that whatever he does, however he does it, he finds a way to play on Sunday, and then he goes through hell the rest of the week to get his body ready, but he does find a way to play every Sunday. So – um, it would be a shock to me if he doesn't play because his M.O. is that this this is what happens. He, he'll he miss a couple of practices, but he'll play on Sunday. Yeah, and that's exactly what everybody has, has said about him all week long. Cliff Kingsbury was playing it a little more close to the vest. Well, I mean, we'll see. I think it's a crucial next 48 hours and see how uh, he feels Sunday. I know I mean, he's a tough guy. Obviously, you mentioned he plays, but um... – We'll see if he can go. I don't know. This is A.J. Green saying relax when it comes to DeAndre Hopkins. Hop, don't miss games. He'd be fine. Okay, but let's talk about this. <laughs> that was yesterday when A.J. Marco Green Wilson. said that. Mar- let's go Marco Wilson. Yeah, let's talk about that. Left that game in the second quarter last week against the Vikings. Had an ankle injury. He's had a couple of limited practices this week. He had a limited practice Thursday. He had a limited practice Friday. So this probably is really a game-time decision with him. Byron Murphy's the interesting one for me. Um, because he's your top cornerback right now. And, you know, if, if he's out, he, he missed Thursday's practice. He's got an ankle injury as well. We'll see if, if he can go. Now, the tough part with this game is you know that you're better than Jacksonville. You know they're not very good. But 
um, you know, if, if everybody's healthy, you'll play. If you've got some guys that have 60, 70 percent, you might think about, hey, can I win this game without this guy? I got three games coming up, two division rivalry games against the Rams and the 49ers, tough game against Cleveland. Do you roll the dice to make sure somebody's, you know, closer to 100 percent for those games? Or do you say, hey, I'm going to put this guy out there, even though he's, you know, he's kind of banged up a little bit against the Jaguars because we really want to beat the Jaguars with the chance that maybe he hurts himself further. Yeah. And he has to miss the, the, the next game or the, the next two games. The easy answer to that question for me is it depends on the percentage health of the guy in question. If if Marco Wilson is, is at 50% health right now, sit him. If Byron Murphy is at 80% health right now, then it's probably worth it to put him out there. Even though Jacksonville's not very good, it's probably worth it to put him out there because you don't have a lot of depth at that position. DeAndre Hopkins, same thing. Is he at 80%? Is he at 90%? Or is he closer to like 60%? It's just there's hurt, but there's how hurt. You know, how hurt is a guy going into the game and I do think you have to think about that much in the same way. What was it, Urban Meyer earlier in the week saying, "Man, I I can't use one of my wide receivers to simulate Kyler Murray in practice. I got a Thursday night game. I got to save him a little bit. Right. You might have to save guys a little bit." I, I do know this. I do know that that today Cliff Kingsbury, when talking about Byron Murphy, specifically said he feels pretty good about his status. Uh, Byron, I feel good about. I mean, we'll see how he progresses the next couple of days, but I feel. Feel good about him. But to your point, it is absolutely something to watch in these next coming days. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, Cardinals are very much favored, and a lot of people think they'll cover that spread. But all of the Cardinals players, coaches, general manager, they are treating this like a game and not one that they're supposed to win. That's coming up on the Burns and Gambo show. Back here with you on the Burns and Gambo Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. I was uh, not, we're not, this is not a gambling segment, okay? I, I'm just going to use this as a way to kind of introduce what we're about to talk about here because there's certainly an element of that to this game between the Cards and the Jags coming up on Sunday. I was uh, on the Athletic website today and I was reading one of their NFL writers was picking games Gambo against the spread. And the Cardinals are favored by a touchdown. On the road, they're favored by a touchdown at Jacksonville, which is a really big number for a road team, right? Yes. And he writes, on one hand, this game is screaming. Be careful. Taking the Cardinals here looks too easy. The Jags are 0-2. Their minus 26 point differential is third worst in the NFL. The Cardinals seem like the obvious play. And whenever there's an obvious play, you should usually take the other side. But he said, I'm going to pick with the Cardinals anyway because I can live with a game where – can I live with a game where Murray throws for 400 yards, Urban Meyer looks distraught, and I lose because I decided to overthink it? No, I can't live with that. So I'm going to pick the Cardinals laying down seven big points on the road against Jacksonville. And no matter how many game previews you read, Gambo, it all comes down to that. Man, the Cardinals have so much, and Jacksonville has so little – having a hard time finding anybody who, A, thinks Jacksonville could even win this game, and, B, that they're not going to get blown out on Sunday, and that makes for a very potentially dangerous proposition for the Cardinals as they travel cross-country for this thing. Yeah, this is, you know, I mean, just the eye test is Cardinals are 2-0, and they've got a dynamic offense, Jacksonville's 0-2, and they're, they don't. <laughs> Their offense is terrible. 
Uh, their young quarterback sailing passes all over the place. Their wide receivers aren't getting any separation. Their pass defense is terrible. I mean, all of those things come into factor. I get it. But again, as we said, like, it, 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 trap, you know, that's why there's a reason they call it a trap game. Could the Cardinals be caught looking ahead? If, if they lose, that will come up. If they did lose this game, oh, they would go, got caught looking ahead to the Rams. Um, but, you know, the, the thing is that this this Cardinals team, at, at 2-0, they still haven't accomplished anything. They haven't done anything. They're not, they're, there are certain teams in this league, it's money in the bank when they're playing a game against Jacksonville. Money in the bank. They're they not going to slip up. We don't know. The Cardinals haven't had one of these games. When was the last time? The Arizona Cardinals had a game in which you were, oh, my God, they're going to kill this team. They're going to kill this team. They're so much better than them. It's been years. It's been years. It's been years since we've been in a spot like this where you felt good enough about the Cardinals and bad enough about their opponent that you thought they're going to slaughter a team. Can I? Okay, there there was one last year. Can I bring it up to you? Go ahead. There was one last year when they were playing the Dallas Cowboys. Remember that game? I think it was Monday Night Football. And by then, Dak was already out for the season. The Cowboys were a giant mess. Just a giant mess. And I think I remember thinking about this game. Oh, the Cardinals should smoke them. Just smoke them. Well, they did. And they did. They smoked them, right? It was, yeah. I, I can't remember what the score was. I'd have to go back and look at the schedule from a year ago. But they smoked them big time. Oh, and Kyler had a great game, and everybody was oohing and on over. I don't, I don't remember. Th- I mean, you don't remember I, feeling that way about that I game. I remember Dalton played, but I mean, they had still had Ezekiel Elliott. They still had Amari Cooper. They still had C.D. Lamb. I don't remember thinking that they were going to smoke the Cowboys. I, I rem- after that. I, I, I don't remember that. But okay. maybe you did. Maybe you did. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that's the last one I can. And even then, I, I don't know if I was as sure about that one as I would be about this. But to your larger point, you're right. You'd probably have to go back to, I don't know, 13 and, well, if we're being honest about it, think about the season opener in 2016 against Jimmy Garoppolo and the New England Patriots at home, right? (laughs) I don't remember the last time, but I don't think in the last three years from Steve Wilkes on that we've had a game that we felt, I think you got to go back to Bruce Arians to have a game that you felt this good about, this good. Now, maybe you felt like the Cardinals were going to win that game, but did you feel this good, that they're an absolute mess? I mean, the Dallas Cowboys still had a veteran quarterback in Dalton. They still had Ezekiel Elliott. They still had Amari Cooper. They still had C.D. Lamb. So I I don't fair. remember no, those the are, Those are all time. fair points. Yeah, I, I mean. I just don't remember the last time I felt this good about the Cardinals and that poorly about their opponent that you're thinking they're going to slaughter somebody. I think it's been a while. So. You know, if that gives you hesitation to pause, then it gives you hesitation to pause. Well, I know this. The the theme coming out of the Cardinals has been has been resolute all week long, starting with Steve Keim on with us earlier today. Uh he he you could you could almost see him in your mind's eye squirming at the thought of the idea that this was a trap game. That was not something he wanted to talk about at all. It's sort of disrespectful to the other team. I mean, all NFL teams have, uh, you know, talent, a level of talent, and any given Sunday can beat you. It was something Kyler Murray didn't want to talk about on Wednesday. Oh, trap game. Oh, no. I don't I don't believe in uh, in those. You know, if we, if we don't come to play, we don't come to play. But uh, as far as trap game goes, man, we went, you know, we were 2-0 and last year, and we, you know, kind of bad the next two last year so uh i don't i don't i don't see 
trap games or you know that happening. You know, I mean, we're focused on this one. Um, you know, we're gonna give our all to this. And one. it was something Kyler Murray or Cliff Kingsbury didn't want to hear about. I, I don't. Um, you know, the way we played last week definitely got our players' attentions. We, we didn't play like we know we can. Um, and so, watching that tape yesterday, I believe our players understand what we need to do to get better. And um, I expect us to to try and improve this week. So you can see all the leadership, whether it's Kime, Cliff. Kyler, DJ Humphreys talked about it today. You can see the leadership in this organization trying to say the right things. It's just a question about what what they're – you can talk about it all you want, but what are you feeling inside, right? Do you, do you feel like you can just show up and beat Jacksonville playing 80% or are you going to give everything when you play them on Sunday? We'll find out on Sunday, I guess. It's Listen, it would be a uh, a good sign if they go in there and they wax them. Right? I mean, we say, oh, how much can you gain? How much can you know about this team? We'll know more about this team when they play the Rams and 49ers. You were right earlier this week. You know, this that that's when we'll know. We'll, we'll know how good they are. But, look, even if you lose to the Rams and the 49ers, doesn't mean you can't be a top-five team in the NFC West. You could still be a top-five team because those teams are good. But if you lose to Jacksonville, then all bets are off. All bets are off on, on, on you know, you being a, a top-five team and a short playoff team. Look, these these wins are, are must. You have to win this game. Have you got to get game. to three and zero. Yeah, you don't know what these next three games hold. You could lose three games in a row. You could lose to the Rams, 49ers, and Browns. But if you win this game, then the worst you could be is three and three. And we know this. As long as you go into December with a five hundred record, you've got a shot to make the playoffs. Texas, your thoughts on this matchup? The FanDuel text line it's there for you six twenty six twenty. We'll read the best ones on the air when we come back. With the amount of favoritism being shown towards the Cardinals this weekend, some of the predictions, well, some of the predictions seem kind of absurd. We'll share some of the more bold ones with you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Live from the Auction Community Studios, let's get an update on our Twitter poll question of the day. It was closer than I expected when we rolled it out at 2.30. Let's see where we stand two hours later. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, Mitch, what do the people have to say about this game on Sunday? So for those of you just tuning in for the first time, just hearing about our Twitter poll question of the day, the question is, will you be disappointed if the Cardinals do not blow out the Jaguars on Sunday? And we've got two options. Yes, because it's a bad team they're playing against, or no, because you will take a win in the NFL, period. I will not be disappointed. Yeah, I mean, Cardinals kick a field goal at the end of the game and they beat the Jaguars at three and zero. Like we might be, you know, you might part of us might be like unhappy, like oh man, he should, probably should have killed this team. Well, but you know what, two and zero is two and zero, three and zero is three and zero, right? Yeah, you know, but that's it's funny. Okay, that scenario that you just painted a second. So I'm I'm fast forwarding in my mind's eye to you and I in here on a big red Monday, talking about a Cardinals team that needed a last second field goal to beat a team as bad as the Jacksonville Jaguars. Would I be disappointed by that? No. Would I be uneasy about that? Maybe a little. You know, maybe that you would need a last-second field goal to beat a team that bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? You you see the distinction I'm going for here? I would not be disappointed. I would not sit here and go, oh, my God, I'm so pissed off. The Cardinals are 3-0 now going into their showdown next week against the Rams. I would be a little uneasy that it required a last-second field goal to beat a team as bad as the Jags. I, I got to be honest with you on that one, Gambo. I, I, it would make me a little uncomfortable. 
Yeah, you you beat the Vikings the way you 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 did, and you, you get a little break, and you write it off. And like they're a decent team. You win you win a game similar to that against the Jaguars, and people might be like, "Ugh, how good is this team really?" If they had to struggle with the Jaguars, they haven't won in two years. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I get what you're saying, uh, but there is, you know, I mean, there's going to be learning process, learning uh, points throughout the year. And if they if they did squeak one out against Jacksonville, a, a win's a win, and you could work on stuff to get ready for these next three games. All right, what's the audience say on this one so far, Mitch? So the audience is still in favor of the ideology that a win is a win in the NFL. They will not be disappointed. 55.9% of them say that. 44.1% say yes, it is a bad team. And one of our regular listeners, Mike Paris, he tweeted in, and he said the football gods do not approve of such arrogance. So I asked him, <laughs> are you going to be disappointed or not, Mike? Come on. <laughs> it's, look, it's just a question. I've, I've seen it out there. People are asking about it. It's, it's No, the football gods probably do not approve of such arrogance. But that is a closer to 50-50 poll than I was expecting on that yes. question. But I Really, I... I uh, we we came up with that one pre-show, and I thought it'll probably be like seventy thirty people saying, "Yeah, no, wouldn't be disappointed at all. A win is a win." I wasn't expecting a fifty-fifty question, but then, but then Gambo talking about things I wasn't expecting to see today. I was not expecting to see these four bold predictions about the game from what is this ClutchPoints dot com? Isn't this exactly the same website yes. that gave us four bold predictions for the Week One Titans matchup against the Cardinals? That basically made it sound like the Cards had no business even showing up in Nashville for that game. <laughs> right. right? I mean, it was, it was uh, Derrick Henry's going to run for 150 yards, and Julio Jones and A.J. Brown's going to, they're going to combine for 250 yards and three touchdowns, and the Titans' defense is going to dominate. And it, like, man, why, right. why the hell well, even let, show let, up for the game, right? All right. Let, let, and they were wrong on all of those. Let's, all go, of through them. The, let's go through these one by one. Okay. Let's see if we agree. Start it off. Cardinals defense shuts down the Jaguars. Urban Meyer seems to refuse to run the ball with James Robinson. For that reason, life has been difficult on Trevor Lawrence. Arizona has a stout front seven that is going to pressure Lawrence as often as possible. We could witness a complete shutout on Sunday as the Cardinals plan to pressure Lawrence throughout the entire game. Be really surprised at that. I think they hold him to 17 points or less. So I agree. I think they shut down the Jaguars. Hey, if they if they if they hold him to 17 or less, that's that's pretty good. I mean, you hold a team under 20 points in the NFL, I'll take that. So I'll say there's a good chance that happens. Yeah, I, a shutout? No, a shutdown? Yes, I could see a shutdown, but not a shutout. They're not going to shut out the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh number okay, going backwards here, so from 4 to 1. Number 3. Chase Edmonds and James Conner combined for 150 plus rushing yards and two touchdowns. The I'm running say, oh, okay, go ahead, I was just gonna say the running back duo has given the Cardinals exactly what they've needed. The Jaguars defense has been atrocious to say the least. Look for Edmonds and Connor to take over this game, especially in the second half. I'm gonna say no. The Jaguars run defense is actually pretty good. That's one of the things they're they're good at is is the run defense, and the Cardinals like to throw the ball and now, maybe if the Cardinals can get ahead, and I think that they will, then you know that's where this would come into play is they just pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball, and that's where that number could come in. Um, so it's possible if they get the lead early and they, get, or the, and they get up big that they could just go to exclusively to the running game. But I'm going to lean towards – I'm going to say no on that one. I'm going to say no too, but I think the caveat that you put out there is, is the correct one. If this is such a blowout, 
after three quarters, it could be a repeat performance of that Titans game where we see nothing but run plays in the fourth quarter. But I, I don't know if they get to 150 yards. Number two, DeAndre Hopkins torches the Jaguars for 125-plus receiving yards. They call him one of the best wide receivers in the league. The Jags have no one who can challenge him. The Cardinals are bound to air it out like they typically do. Murray is likely to target his favorite receiver often and give the Cardinals a big lead from the get-go. Sign me up for that one. Sign me up. I think that after Hopkins was kind of ignored in quarters two, three, and four last week, they're going to make sure he gets his. Yeah, health is one of the question marks here, but I I tend to think that we're going to see a lot of DeAndre Hopkins targets. I, we, I, I'm in that. Come inter- on, they're playing the Jags. I know. So be on one leg, it'll get all those yards. I'm in that interview room after the game on Sunday, and without him even being asked about it, Cliff Kingsbury brought up a couple of times. That's on me. I got to make sure we scheme it so that DeAndre Hopkins gets the ball. I got to do a better job of that. He's, you know, he. He he knows he he knows who the, the the monster that needs to be fed, and I don't mean that in a bad way is DeAndre Hopkins. And number one, Kyler Murray shines, furthering his case to win the MVP. Arizona's offense has been electric. The Jags will have their hands full with DeAndre Hopkins. Murray brings a unique element to the game that is hard to replicate. Look for him to light it up on Sunday, as this should be a long game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with Kyler Murray shines again. So the only one it's kind of like I'm iffy on is just the 150-plus rushing yards and two touchdowns by Chase and James Conner, which is possible, definitely possible. But um, I would lean yes on Kyler. Yeah, I think Kyler's going to have a big day. I, I, think, I, think Kyler, I think Kyler could have a really big day running the football. Uh, who was Jay Feely when he was on with us earlier, talked about all the man coverage that Jacksonville secondary likes to play, which could just create all sorts of opportunity for Kyler Murray to run uh, in the in kind of the soft stuff underneath if he wanted to. Uh, I, I have a feeling Kyler Murray feels like, looks like he's got complete command of this offense right now and that he knows exactly what's he, what he wants to do, exactly how he's seeing the field. I think Kyler has a big day. I don't know if it all goes to D-Hop. I think Kyler Murray has a big, big day on Sunday. Big day on Sunday. I expect that too. Yeah. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station, Troy Lavelle's extension sent a message about the direction of the organization. Is it the right direction? That's next here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM Arizona's Sports Station. Burns and Gambo talk Diamondbacks baseball with a D-backs broadcaster. The Booth. Presented by Woodbridge by Robert Mondavi, the official wine of Major League Baseball. Every Friday we get to talk with one of the broadcasters covering the Arizona Diamondbacks, and uh, I, I know I've missed some time with some vacation over the last month, but I think it's been a while since we've had Jody Jackson, one of our good friends here on the Burns and Gambo Show from Valley Sports Arizona. She's joining us from live down at Chase Field where the Diamondbacks are getting ready to take on the L.A. Dodgers for this edition of In the Booth. J.J., how you doing? I hope you're well. Doing good. Yeah, it's been a little while, and yeah, I'm getting ready here. Mark Grace is crushing some fast food down the hall here, so we're getting ready for a final series of D-backs Dodgers for 2021. Did, did you two run into each other in San Diego this year, or was the streak over? 
I did not go to San Diego. <laughs> I, oh, it's your fault, Bernsey. You, I, I did. I ended up going again during the All Star break, and so I'm very disappointed in you guys. Well, well, the streak is over. The, the streak it's, it's is finished. over. It, it is. Jody and I would bump into each other every single year at Better Buzz Coffee at Mission Beach, and and of course. Typical JJ, it looked like she just got done running a marathon <laughs> along Mission Beach, whereas I look like I just got out of bed. Oh, hey, JJ, what's up? Yeah, good to see you, too. You know, and it's like the same thing every year for 10 straight. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't go to San yeah, Diego. this year I ran all the way to La Jolla. <laughs> I did. I remember, did. It was crazy. Did you really? You ran from... from... To the edge, yes. Jeez. <laughs> How far was that? I don't even know. I went uh, through Pacific and then... Um, What's that? It's bird something, bird uh, bird rock maybe. That's like right before La Jolla. So for me, that was good. Maybe, Burns, you should try that next time. Uh, yeah, 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 Jody. <laughs> I'll get right on that, Jody. I'll get right on running from Mission to La Jolla and back before yeah, I enjoy my... Yeah, then I get my... my mocha and my iced tea, and that, <laughs> then I stock what, up. This... I see you at the coffee shop. So. This is what covering the Diamondbacks does to you. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you want to run. Yeah. Far. Right. JJ, before we talk about the, uh, the team going into these final nine games, I know that there's a new show, debuts on Sunday, hosted by you. Tell everybody a little bit about it for Diamondbacks Baseball. Yeah, it's called D-Backs Family. And, again, we're so glad to be bringing our fans original programming. And Merrill Kelly is the subject. And so I always find Merrill very honest and very interesting the times that I've interviewed him. So I had a long interview with Merrill and then and found out a lot of interesting stuff about him. Um, like, he was a very tough teenager. And so then, of course, I had to talk to his parents, right? So I met with his mom and his dad and his wife and his high school coach um, and talked with his co- uh, coach at Yavapai College as well as um, Todd Walsh, actually, was able to talk to Pat Murphy a little bit about him. So we we know so much more now about Merrill Kelly, and it's a really fabulous story um, and also uh, some personal stuff from him that you guys will be intrigued about on Sunday. Um, that show will debut, and it will run throughout the week, but I'm excited to did, bring our viewers that did, show. Did, didn't Kurt Schilling go to Yavapai College? Yes. He did, he and did. in fact, um, who was he telling me, gosh, he talked about someone at Yavapai that was Kurt's roommate, and I'm trying to remember who that was. That was that's, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, so, yeah, Yavapai, you know, because he went through a time where, you know, he was kind of this underdog, you know, um, guys in high school. And actually what I found out is his brother Reed was considered the better prospect growing up and in high school. So scouts would come out to see his brother and then be like, <laughs> who, who's that kid? That's Kelly. That's another Kelly over there. And so, you know, he was uh, – and then his grades weren't good, so he had to battle back at Yavapai and get the grades going and ASU and then went to Korea for four years and, and uh, you know, had made it to the big leagues as a 30-year-old rookie. Wow, that's crazy stuff. JJ, you're uh, – and that, uh, that show's coming up on Sunday, Sunday. right? Sunday. Yep. Okay. Uh, and it's called D-Backs Family, correct? That is correct. Okay. You're around the team. You're down there a lot. We obviously watch you on Valley Sports Arizona. It, they're – there's a couple things kind of on the front burner right now with this D-backs team. Number one is Tory's extension, and then number two is trying to avoid this this dark cloud that's hanging over them of the worst record in franchise history. To do that, they've got to win three of these nine games. How big of a deal do you think that is to them when you speak to the guys? You know, I think it's a big deal to them. Uh, I think they're just their answer most of the time is just look, we're taking it day by day. It's been a rough season, but we're we're trying to battle, especially young players. You know, you know, you know they're trying to prove themselves. Um, but you know, the interesting thing is, guys, is this Dodgers and Giants situation is crazy, and both of those teams are highly motivated to try to win every game because, of course, no one wants to be in the one game wild card showdown. So. 
you know, the Giants are up by one, the Dodgers are here. And so, you know, and the other uh, series is Colorado. So they, they want to be able to win some of these games, but uh, let's be honest. I mean, these are difficult games for any team to win, no less a team that only has 49 wins. So we'll see what happens uh, in this series and coming down the stretch. And I, no one wants to have that on their record uh, or that record on their on the resume, I guess you could say, where it was the worst in franchise history. And this team doesn't want it for sure. And so uh, that's the one thing. And the other thing you talked about, Tori Lovello, and yeah, obviously that news came down yesterday. And look, for me, the reasons that he has been entrusted with this team for next year are the same reasons that everyone was praising him in 2017. And that's because of the type of person he is, the type of manager that he is. Uh, you guys know him well. I know you talk to him on the air and off the air. And I think, you know, he's the one chosen to reboot this club for a lot of those reasons that developing young players, the communication aspect that frankly, a lot of managers don't do as well as Tori Lovello. And then, you know, Mike Hazen likes the in-game management uh, of, you know, every aspect, including the bullpen. And I just think a lot of people might look at that and say, really? And, you know, but I, I have to tell you guys, and you guys know, I mean, this pitching staff this year, what I could not believe what I was seeing during the stretch where they were eight and 48, where you had minor league pitchers coming up. You, you had maybe one guy who was a proven pitcher in the major leagues. And then the bullpen was shifted. How do you manage that? It's very difficult. So I think that eight and 48 stretch that doomed this team uh, was a unique situation with injuries to the rotation. And I think that that's not necessarily something you can put on Tori Lovello. No, we, we talked about this, too. It's, and it's not like Tori got, you know, it's not like a big reward, right? It's not a multi-year deal. That, that would have been rewarding him for the performance. They, they didn't do that. They gave him just a one-year deal. And, we're, you know, we're back in the same situation next year. I think for the most part, and I've been disappointed with some of the defensive play uh, for sure. There's been a lot of games where just the defense has just been abysmal. And uh, but but it, it's it's hard to say these guys quit that they they're not playing. They're playing hard. It's just a lot of times they just go out there and they don't have the same talent that the other teams have right now. Yeah, totally agree. And uh, I do think that the defensive play has been the one thing that is hard to explain, and it is disappointing. And it's been sometimes the veterans. You've seen veterans, you know, making some of these mistakes because the young guys, and a few of them are playing all over, like Josh Rojas, Paven Smith, Dalton Varsho. They're playing multiple positions. And I think Mike Hazen's also going to look at that, like how smart is that going forward. But, you know, it is tough when you see, you know, a Cattell Marte or a couple guys in the outfield converge on a ball and no one catch it, you know, and you think, how can this be happening to guys that have been in the league four and five years? And so they definitely have to clean that up. But, uh, it's been a, a very strange year, guys, and yeah, I mean, I have seen, you're right, they haven't quit, though. It's a team that, as bad as it was in the first three games of the Braves series, you know, they come back and win yesterday. So, you know, there are small victories there, um, and they're hoping to show that fight down the stretch in these last nine. All right, JJ, good stuff. Good to have you on the show, uh, as always. I imagine you got the pregame and the postgame coverage, uh, coverage coming up tonight after this Dodgers yes. game, so we look forward to watching that on Bally Sports. Looking forward to your new show on Sunday. Thanks, as always, for your time. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. appreciate it. Yep, you got thanks, it. Jody. Jody Jackson joining us from Bally Sports, Arizona, from down at Chase Field where the Diamondbacks are taking on the Dodgers tonight. She is, she's absolutely right about those MLB standings. San Francisco and the Dodgers separated by one game, and you know neither one of those teams want to be in a one-game playoff situation with the wild card. That, that's uh, – that that is something both teams will very much want to avoid this last week and a half of the season. Yeah, now listen, I mean, it, there's a real chance here to do some damage to either the Dodgers or the Giants, and 
you know, that's something to play. That's that's pride. That's something to play for right there to try to, uh, you know, listen, I prefer them hurting the, the Dodgers rather than the Giants, but it's something to look at for these games is, you know, to watch those with the belief that maybe they can, you know, knock one of those teams out of a, a chance to win a division. Yeah. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, are the Cardinals starting a revolution in the NFL? One of the members of the Cardinals would seem to think so. You'll hear who next on the Burns and Gambo show.